Thank you for listening to KUCI. This week is Fun Drive Week. KUCI brings you wonderful music and public affairs shows 24-7. We give you the gift of listening, and now we ask you to give your pledge gift. It's tax deductible. When you call in your gift, you will also be eligible to receive a pledge gift from KUCI. Most of all, you will help to continue the great shows. So thank you for calling 824-5824-UCI-KUCI. Make your tax-deductible donation right now by calling 824-5824. Thank you. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional and the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, Protecting Yourself with a Personal Privacy Audit, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California Legislature. She served as a privacy expert for numerous court cases nationwide and at a White House press conference featured on C-SPAN. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today we're going to talk about many privacy issues, but especially we're going to talk about Safe Harbor and what it is and what has happened recently to make it more of a challenge to actually uh, exchange personal identifi- personally identifiable information from customers in Europe. So let me tell you about our wonderful guest, who I'm just thrilled to have join us from the Silicon Valley. We're going to be interviewing Francoise Gilbert, who is an attorney and a shareholder in Greenberg Traurig LLP in the Silicon Valley. She's focused her practice on information privacy and security for more than 25 years. She became interested in the challenges when we heard about such hackers as Robert Morris and Kevin Mitnick, who, by the way, has been on our show. And she started this in the late uh, 1980s and the early 1990s. And she began conducting extensive research on the existing laws regarding privacy and security. Then in 1991, she published her first law review article on breaches of security, and she started working with clients on legal issues stemming from attacks on their systems. And then in 1992, she became involved in emerging health security and privacy issues and the use of technology for telemedicine services. Throughout the 1990s, she contributed to the drafting of several federal and state bills that were predecessors of HIPAA, which is our federal um, privacy and security law for uh, health care. 
And Francoise is internationally recognized as a thought leader and expert in data privacy and cybersecurity. And she has so many accolades. She was named 2014 San Francisco Lawyer of the Year. And then she has numerous other um, awards for being a, a wonderful lawyer and best lawyers in America and on and on. And she has been recognized as one of the U.S. top privacy advisors by Computer World and as an attorney who matters in Ethisphere. And you can find out more about her at Francoise Gilbert. And I'm going to spell that for you. Wait till you hear her wonderful French accent. It's F-R-A-N-C-O-I-S-E Gilbert, G-I-L-B-E-R-T dot com. Francoise, thank you so much for joining us from North Northern California. Thank you for inviting me. Glad to be here. Thank yeah. you very much, Mary. So let's talk a little bit about Safe Harbor. Let's explain to my audience, especially the students who may be listening, you know, what exactly was Safe Harbor going to do to help uh, with businesses trans uh, across international lines? And um, and there's a new ruling. Let's talk about what happened. Okay, so we need to first understand what, what the safe harbor is about and what it was supposed to achieve. Uh, the um, European Union and the European Economic Area, which is a little bit larger than the European Union, it, it adds uh, three um, additional states to the European Union state. So there's 31 states, members of the European Economic Area, have about the same uh, data protection laws that um, all restrict the transfer of personal information outside of this European Economic Area to countries, uh, and it requires that for a country to be allowed to receive personal information, this country provides adequate protection for personal information and privacy rights. Unfortunately, the United States is not recognized as providing this particular uh, specific uh, adequate protection for personal information and privacy rights. And this is because we do not have one national law that protects every types of uh, personal information we have what is called sectoral laws, um, meaning that they protect only certain categories of information. So as part of uh, the evaluation of the uh, privacy and data protection regime in the United States, the uh, European Commission, which is one of the uh, governing organisms of the uh, European Union, uh, decided that the United States was not an adequate country. As you can imagine, this is a big problem because Europe has about uh, 500 million inhabitants. It's a very significant market for United States companies. So there was there were negotiations in the late 1990s and early 19, uh, 2000 to find a way for American companies to still be able to exchange data with European companies. Right. And here here was born the safe harbor. So the principle of the safe harbor is that uh, if a company uh, certifies that it complies with seven uh, principles, it will be deemed to have 
to provide adequate protection. And for a company to make this certification and the certification to be useful for the uh, 31 countries in the European Economic Area, it has to post this uh, promise or this uh, certification on the website of the Department of Commerce. So when there is a reference to the safe harbor, the reference is to this entire regime of uh, an agreement between the U.S. and the European Economic Area regarding these seven safe harbor principles and the fact that a company lists itself on uh, the website and makes that commitment. Of course, there are a little, a few more details, but that's the basic. Yeah, could you and, give a couple of those those um, seven items that that they must promise to comply with? Sure, and and these are somewhat uh, basic and elementary principles that uh, many of the U.S. companies um, know and are aware of and have complied with with many uh, for for many years. Right. Uh, one is a notice, so you have to give notice to your users about what you do with their personal information, and we do that very often. Another one is choice, and that one is a little bit more complicated, but basically the idea is that if you uh, are collecting people's information and you change the way uh, you're going to use it, you have to give them the choice to stay with you or not. Um, another one is um, security. You have to provide security to the data that you have. So these, as, as you can see, are, are regular uh, type of, of situations that uh, or commitments that many companies make on a regular basis. Uh, then there is one that is often very tricky. The company has to make the commitment that it will... Um, protect the data and provide to the data this protection in these uh, seven principles and that when it transfers that information to third parties, to its affiliates, its service providers, its uh, business partners, those entities will also um, provide uh, a protection that incorporates the, the seven safe harbor principles. Yeah, that that can be a, a bit of a challenge. And then, you know, people in our country are more used to the opting out where companies can often use information um, unless we opt out, And except California has stricter laws. But I think that's one of the big differences, wouldn't you say, Francoise, that there is much more of prior consent in the European Union than we have here? Yes, prior consent and often also a more uh, informed consent and explicit consent and uh, giving more uh, uh, certain specific information, such as, for example, identifying specifically the uh, recipients or categories of recipients that may receive information. So they uh, identifying who is responsible for the data. So they, they are more uh, um, deeper uh, disclosures than uh, sometimes we are used to making here. Yes. So recently, very recently, the the Court of Justice of the European Union made it, it, uh, came up with a decision in the Shem case um, that was really significant, and it kind of, in a way, kind of uh, really 
dug in and hurt uh, the the safe harbor. So tell us about that and, and what you think is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, so the case was filed by uh, Max Schrems, who is a um, young man from Austria, and he filed this case against Facebook. But frankly, he could have filed it against uh, many other companies. The the uh, what he said was that uh, Facebook was uh, moving his data to the U.S., which uh, was something that had been disclosed for a long time. Yeah. Um, but that, in view of the revelations of uh, Mr. Snowden regarding the access that the NSA and other U.S. intelligence agencies had to uh, the databases of many companies, he thought that once his data would have been transferred to the U.S. by Facebook, right. the NSA and uh, and others would have access to his information, and he thought that this was uh, uh, unfair or unacceptable or uh, not what he had bargained for. Right. Anyway, he was not happy with that and so he he wanted uh, originally to have the um, data protection commissioners uh, evaluate uh, this situation and he wanted uh, the data protection commissioner to uh, prevent Facebook from from doing this from transferring his data to the US and uh, responding to uh, inquiries from the the um, 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 intelligence agencies in the U.S. Right. And so that took uh, probably about two or three years um, because there were different legal considerations and the case was sent to uh, first the commissioner, then the, the Supreme Court in, in Ireland, and then, uh, so I, I, won't, <laughs> I won't skip the detail. Right. And in the, in the end, uh, the case ended up in front of the Court of Justice of the European Union, which is, if you want to think of it a little bit like our Supreme Court in the U.S., it's a, it's a very important organization that sits at the top and can uh, make very uh, important and, and definitive rulings. And so uh, the court examined the, the case and, and made uh, two decisions, um, one that affects us directly, and then the other one that tells us that this is not the end of the story. So the, the first decision was that the court, after examining uh, the, the Snowden revelation and the rest of the arguments in the case, mm-hmm. decided that, in fact, um, Schrems was, was right, that uh, there were all these things happening in the U.S., and therefore the safe harbor was no longer what we thought it could have been, mm-hmm. and so it decided to invalidate the, the safe harbor. Uh, it also gave the Data Protection Commissioner in Ireland uh, more powers than the uh, Data Protection Commissioner itself thought that he had and is remanding the case. So the, the case against Facebook continues, but that is um, probably less relevant to the rest of us than the very significant decision to invalidate the, the safe harbor. Right. So what has been the reaction of of the authorities in European economic 
area and and what has been the reaction of the American companies besides freaking out? <laughs> well, uh, frankly, uh, even in the in Europe, they freaked out because <laughs> they that causes problems to them, which are just as, as significant as the problems it causes to us. Because uh, remember, it's a transfer, so it goes from A to B, and so uh, if if B uh, no longer exists, well, A cannot uh, put its data in in a ship and send it to B because B is no longer there. Right. So 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 the Europeans, the the, the basic uh, simple conclusion is the European cannot send data to the U.S. because now uh, many of the U.S. companies are, are, are banned. They have been, uh, they, they are no longer uh, providing, having a, a legal basis for receiving the data. And, and same thing from the U.S., they cannot receive anything because they have been put in the doghouse. Mm. So uh, that's the, the, the main, uh, so the, the, the principal consequence is that you have thousands of companies in Europe and in the U.S. who are left in the, in the cold and trying to figure out what to do. Um, and, and, and my observation is that it took not only companies by surprise, but also even the data protection commissioners, uh, which are in charge of the, the privacy laws in their respective country. And so the first reaction, that uh, most important reaction that we had was a reaction from the, the group of these data protection commissioners, which is called the Article 29 Working Party. And, and so it's, it's like they are their club. You know, they, they meet and they discuss and then they make a, a, um, a, a common declaration and it's expected that uh, they will follow the, the, the general line. And so that uh, meeting happened shortly after the, within 10 days after the case was uh, published. And they said uh, two things. Uh, one is, well, we don't know. We need to think about this, and we'll tell you <laughs> later. Uh, and and then the other thing is, okay, well, we, we're going to take three months. So in, th- in three months, we, we will expect to, if nothing else happens, we, we're going to start enforcing this uh, invalidation and uh, conducting enforcement action and so on. So basically, in, in three months, we're going to get serious. So that's at the end of um, January. But what they said also is uh, you have three months to, to reorganize your practices and, and address the fact that the, the, the safe harbor is no longer there. So that uh, is what they are inviting companies to do, uh, find other ways to legally transfer information out of the European Union to, to the U.S., finding, uh, using other ways that are in the laws that would make it work. Uh, another thing they said, which is... Uh, very significant is that they have not made any conclusion as to whether the currently existing uh, methods, legal methods to transfer information would still be recognized and, and valid. So we, we are in, uh, in a, an ex- a stage where we don't know what will happen in, in, in three months. 
So right now, the information is still being transferred until the until the enforcement in three months. There's kind of like this reprieve. It, it, kind of. So it, it, in a way, yes, you're you're right. Uh, the, the data is being transferred now, um, arguably illegally, since yeah. the, the the safe harbor no longer exists. Right. Uh, but the uh, the data protection commissioners have said that they would not, in general, uh, enforce. Uh, any 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 restriction for the first three months, but they they still uh, you know give it on one end and and then take it on the other. They said, but but if it is uh, if it is outrageous, we will we will intervene anyway. But uh, that that means if 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 a company does something really really bad and really really obnoxious, uh, it, it may be be slapped even during this this three months period. You know what I wonder, you know, when we found out about uh, the Snowden revelations and um, and of course that was very disconcerting for Americans and for Europeans. But there was also this talk that this kind of stuff was going on in England and in other countries as well, but it wasn't disclosed. So how, how does that come into the, the mix at all? In a way, yes, and, and yes, what, what you say is correct. Uh, it, the similar activities have been happening in uh, in Europe and anywhere in the world for for a very long time. What may be a difference is um, that in in the particular case of the the Snowden revelation, there was this notion of uh, an unlimited access um, to information, access en masse, meaning uh, having um, um, n- not just one, one, one record at a time, but asking for everything right. you have about everybody. And so it, it is probably this aspect of the, 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 the what has been called the, 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 massive, the massive surveillance and the high volume of information collected that has uh, created this uh, this concern um, so so that that's definitely a, a, an aspect but the uh, article 29 working party w- has actually mentioned that maybe not that specifically <laughs> but <laughs> has said has said uh, in their recommendation that the the states the the members of the European economic area should also uh, go back to to their own activities right. and investigate their own activities so they the it was a very discreet way of saying um, <laughs> Come on, guys, you do it, too. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, what's what's the way around this? I mean, unless we have Congress say that they, um, you know, there will be warrants for specific uh, people who they assume or they believe to be terrorists and that they won't allow NSA to do that. I mean, this would be something that I would prefer <laughs> myself. But um, so what are these companies? I know I have friends that are privacy officers of different companies that are very, very worried about this. What uh, what are they suggesting could happen? What what how can they get around it? Well, uh, the, the Article 29 Working Party has requested the all of the member states to 
to to to basically to make efforts and to try to negotiate something at the government level and on on the on the other end on the the US and there there is also uh, a, a lot uh, that is being done to to try to find a, a solution and what is unfortunate is that there was a lot of work that was already in progress and that had uh, very significant progress had been made so um, now all of this work is is uh, is is going to be used, but maybe there is going to be needed a little bit more. But there, there were there were two things that were in the works. One was called the Umbrella Agreement, and that is an agreement that has to do with uh, cross-border investigation um, of uh, of activities. And so, uh, an uh, an agreement was signed in early September. So this is very positive because that was, uh, for a long time, one of the the issues uh, regarding the the investigations. And so that is is there, and the only piece missing is um, a um, legislation that provides some of the the rights and commitments that were made in the Umbrella Agreement. So uh, that is uh, almost there. Oh, okay. So, I mean, they they knew this case was filed, and they knew it was lurking out there. They mm-hmm. they, you know, I mean, they had an advance notice to start working on on this. Like, what do we do mm-hmm. if? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, and and there is more. For example, in in June, there was the the Freedom Act, and and that uh, Freedom Act was also intended to respond uh, both to to the the Schrems case, but also to more general uh, rumbling in the U.S. concerning the, uh, let's call them the, the, the massive uh, surveillance uh, right, right. Uh, situation. And, and I'm not making a judgment on that. I'm, I'm just repeating what right, right. the qualification. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so the, the uh, Freedom Act that was passed in June in the U.S. Um, was intended to, to limit the, the, the investigation and, and prohibit the, the use of uh, volume requests. So that was there, and, and frankly, that was ignored in in the court of justice. So uh, ruling, so they 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 blamed the U.S. for a lot, but they they didn't have very fresh information. So that that's uh, that's a bit disconcerting that the the ruling of the court of justice is not based on one hundred percent perfect accurate information but they they are they, they they've been missing a few things but in a way that's good because that opens the door for the uh the working party to to try and pull together something and say look you know there there are some um, fixes for this, so mm-hmm. you know. Yes. So I mean, that's the good news. Well, mm-hmm. we only have a couple minutes left, and we we did talk a lot about that. But I would love to um, just ask you one general question because we could talk for days. I, I love to uh, hear all this wisdom that you have. Um, just one thing for our businesses that drive by, if you could just give us a couple hints. What uh, what are some things that uh, you think? that companies should do to with respect to privacy right now just a, a couple thoughts that they should remember to protect themselves from liability um for, for privacy in general as, as a u.s company yeah. i would say 
pay, pay attention to privacy. Uh, don't copy what the website next door is doing because it often does not apply to you. Uh, look at uh, the the new concepts of privacy by design and uh, security by design because they provide uh, a, a structure and a framework for paying attention to privacy and security ahead of time and not once the product is, is developed. And and finally, I would say my last piece of advice, if you want to do something, show it to your mom <laughs> or show it to your grandmother and ask them what they think. <laughs> and they may find what you do a little bit outrageous and they may be right. <laughs> I love it. That's just good common sense. We'll just give your website and it's time to go, Francoise. Uh, sure. Thank you very much, Mary. Uh, the website is uh, francoisegilbert.com. So F R A N C O I S. E. Don't forget the E, because that makes me a female and not a male. <laughs> so F-R-A-N-C-O-I-S-E. And then Gilbert is like Gilbert, G-I-L-B-E-R-T dot com. And it's in one word, everything together. And we so appreciate all the great work that you're doing. And we love your accent. And we will have you back again, Francoise. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday at 8 a.m. and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Thanks. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Thank you for listening to KUCI. This week is Fun Drive Week. KUCI brings you wonderful music and public affairs shows 24-7. We give you the gift of listening, and now we ask you to give your pledge gift. It's tax deductible. When you call in your gift, you will also be eligible to receive a pledge gift from KUCI. Most of all, you will help to continue the great shows. So thank you for calling 824-5824-UCI-KUCI. Make your tax-deductible donation right now by calling 824-5824.